the yearbook sportscast for nurses and flight attendants. We didn't forget Alaska Airlines. Am I right? Says in the yearbook at Hotmail.com. We're here every week, unfortunately. Just like the NHL champion Tampa Bay Lightning. The Dodgers have been underperforming for so long that you forget, or maybe you just never saw, how talented the Dodgers are. The Lightning in hockey had been serious contenders for six years, but in the playoffs, they always looked fragile. Until this year, when they didn't, they won the Stanley Cup, and you saw, for example, that the Lightning have three or four guys who could be called their best player. The Dodgers have been World Series caliber, not just playoff contenders, World Series caliber since 2017. But entering their third World Series in four years in 2020, they had yet to win one. Even if you wanted to argue that the Astros and Red Sox cheated the Dodgers out of two rings in two years, L.A. still lost to the totally non-cheating, as far as we know, Nationals last year and didn't even make the World Series. And even if you wanted to argue that the Astros and Red Sox cheated the Dodgers out of two rings in two years. Since 2017, L.A. has never looked terribly disciplined. And they were at it again this year, bungling World Series Game 4 against the Rays when they had a chance to take a three games to one lead. What's weird is a near miracle comeback in the National League Championship Series seemed to change everything. In NLCS Game 2, the Dodgers trailed the Braves 8-3 to three in the ninth. There's a lot of small talk going on, etc. But all of a sudden, just like that, we can't snap. Otherwise, we would. Just like that, the Dodgers were suddenly dangerous and unstoppable. They, you couldn't keep them off the bases. They came all the way back to 8-7, to seven, down from 8-3. to three. They got to 8-7 to seven before finally losing. They then crushed Atlanta in the next game, Game 3, but were crushed right back in Game 4. But that still seemed like kind of a fluke, and for sure— The Dodgers then basically controlled the next three games and won the NLCS four games to three. In eliminating the Braves, everyone, except for you because you didn't watch it, got a really good look at just how many really good players the Dodgers have. Mookie Betts, who for some reason the Red Sox didn't feel like building around. Corey Seager, Justin Turner, Joe Flacco look like Chris Taylor, Max Muncy. And we we didn't even mention any of the pitchers. That's just the offense. When you were paying attention, it was hard to figure out how the Dodgers had not won a title until they did this week. Whether it was a coincidence or not, the Dodgers' whole personality seemed to change after NLCS Game 2, and they were suddenly the team everyone had been fearing for four years. Congratulations to L.A. So we've had some champions this year who struggled under previously normal circumstances. Coincidence? This is not some argument about how these championships are not legitimate or something like that. They count and that's it. It's possible the Lightning and Dodgers benefited from not playing in front of home or road crowds or not traveling or something. But playing at neutral sites or in bubbles or away from family, that's a tremendous adjustment and would seem to be A really difficult circumstance, not a blessing in any way. And no, I don't think the Dodgers necessarily would have beaten the Astros or Red Sox back in 2017 or 2018 because the Dodgers never seemed to be a team until just recently. Hey, we flashed back to the early to mid-2000s watching Rays outfielder Hunter Renfro play in the World Series while watching wide receiver Hunter Renfro play for the NFL Raiders. Two 
professional athlete Hunter Renfro's at the same time, unrelated, spelled differently. Barely. The letter E is basically the only difference. When the Braves played the Dodgers in the NLCS, it was a big deal when a Will Smith pitched to a Will Smith. That was the first time that it happened in Major League Playoff history. So what are the odds on two Hunter Renfro's? Although there's no way the name Hunter Renfro is less common than the name Josh Scobie. In the early to mid-2000s, we had two Josh Scobies at the same time, unrelated and spelled differently in the same league. Both were NFL players. I'm your host, Doug. I'm the one to blame. Scott Dixon, since you missed it, is the 2020 IndyCar Points Champion. Uh, Dixon's sixth championship, not a record. Only this one, this championship, did not fit the narrative. Actually, this championship didn't fit any narrative, which you may consider to be a good thing. Good. Dixon, who for the first two-thirds of his career was not being called the best driver of his generation, but now for this third of his career is being called the best driver of his generation, won title number six by holding on. His huge lead kept getting smaller and smaller as the season went on, and it was still getting smaller and smaller after Sunday's finale was over. Dixon once had a 117-point lead, that's a lot, over Joseph Newgarden. By the end of the season, it was down to just 16 points. The sport, racing, any sport, actually, needs future stars. And Newgarden officially certified all the hype, which is so rare, by damn near winning his third championship in four years. Newgarden won a race in St. Louis The very next day after Dixon won a race in St. Louis, and that started a winning streak where Newgarden kept Dixon at arm's length in every single subsequent race. Newgarden finished ahead of Dixon in six consecutive races, and that streak is still going. The narrative said Dixon finally, rightfully achieved legend status. But ironically, that happened while Newgarden was outplaying him. And yet... Dixon absolutely won this championship. He didn't back into it. Dixon won the first three races of the season, but that was not the end of his contributions. He also won a race near the end of August, and he finished 11 spots ahead of Newgarden in that race, which you could point to absolutely as ultimately the difference in the championship. But even as Dixon's points lead kept getting smaller, he never had the truly bad day that would have sunk him, and he fought tooth and nail for every single point. He made a pass in the final half lap of a recent race to gain back all of one point. The narrative said Newgarden just ran out of runway. The season ended just a little too early for him, and Newgarden certainly had all the momentum, but really Dixon stayed just close enough to Newgarden to stay in front in the points race. The narrative also said Dixon won the title by a minuscule and really creaky 16 points. But in reality, Dixon was never seriously threatened during Sunday's finale. Not once, not once was Newgarden even close to taking over first place in the point standings, even just temporarily. And yet, Scott Dixon and his team do have something to worry about. Newgarden goes into the offseason having made Dixon look mortal for almost half of 2020. Now, whether Dixon's team was just trying to weather the storm over the final six races, or they really weren't as competitive as Newgarden's team, the Dixon-Ganassi team has to figure out a way to finish in front of Newgarden in a race. 
otherwise in 2021, it's New Garden versus Colton Herta, or maybe New Garden versus Will Power, or just New Garden versus the schedule. I know you don't know who any of those people are. Sporting event obscured by on screen graphics. Actually, that's misleading. That's not it. But directors at pro and college football games seem determined to cut away from anything even resembling action. I blame the COVID, all those predates uh, the COVID. During the Florida-Texas A&M game in college football a few weeks ago, ESPN cut to a montage of all the fights between Florida and Texas A&M and missed a fight between Florida and Texas A&M. I've lost count of how many times a fracas starts at the end of a play, which is quickly covered up by a montage. And this is the part of the argument I hate. Because it makes me sound like I don't like graphics and montages and animations. But no, I don't want to go back to 1980. And I don't watch football just to see a bunch of fights break out. But so much time and energy is spent by broadcasters telling us how much these two teams hate each other with the passion of a thousand sons. But when tension gets unbelievably high and there's bad blood in the actual game, broadcasters can't cut away fast enough to show stats or a montage of what we just cut away from. I like football, not fighting. But whoa, on the kickoff return, somebody just went after my favorite player after the whistle. What happened? Or why is that offensive lineman so upset? We'll never know. Because instead, we're seeing Catherine Zeta-Jones photoshopped into a Cardinals uniform. It's funny that you can't see the grit that defines how difficult it is to win at football, even while watching football. <laughs>